Scotch. I feel like, I, you know, the Oaktown, you know, the Oaktown crew, whatever it is. Travis Barrett is here from CentralMaine.com. Hey, um, as you know, I had to cover Maine hockey last night, so I see the art, the Red Sox, Yankees game. Go tell me what happened. Well... Do you remember? Um, you remember Grady? Did I miss, any, did I miss anything? Did you? Do you remember Grady Little? Ah, uh, God, yes, I do. Grady I Little would there. actually be an improvement over the guy the Yankees have in their dugout. That's you know a fact. Weird? Grady last Little week, now would be an improvement. Last night, last night, I'm sitting there, you know, following the game. I got it up on. I got the stream up and kind of working through the end of the third period, whatever. And I'm watching, and I'm thinking to myself, like, it's. I think at the time. It was, was it two to nothing Red Sox or something when, when or maybe it was three, it might have been three nothing. And they, that's when they load the bases and, and Severino's still in there with nobody out and bases loaded. And I'm thinking to myself, and I, I know that Yankee fans, it's a popular sport to criticize Boone, but I thought to myself, man, he's he's managing this like a regular season game. Like, eh, if we get out of this, great. If we don't, that's okay. We've got tomorrow. And I. I, I mean, I was literally... I, didn't I mean, anybody I was warming up. I wondered what he was doing. Like, you guys, get him out of there in the playoffs. Have we not learned anything? And this is the kicker to me. Bases loaded. Nobody out. He goes to the starter. Yeah. The starter. Yeah. To roll through it. Yeah. It was weird. Well, it was, and they had nobody warming up. Yeah, I know. It's so, it was so strange. And what it was, was so this? Weird to watch. The other thing is, who's minding the store? The the TBS said that Severino didn't go yes. out to warm up in the bullpen. Yeah. Early enough. I mean, did he understand it was an earlier start, or <laughs> what's the story? Is there somebody in there saying, "Hey, Sevy, get out in the bullpen"? Yeah. Uh, that. It's- it's funny. I saw somebody, um, a colleague of mine. I used to, I worked with years ago. Who's a, you know, he's a huge Yankee fan. He's a really, really smart sports fan. And uh, every night on Twitter, he goes on these like, you know, ten <laughs> tweet rants. About everything <laughs> yeah. He saw the game, but they're pretty well thought out. And and he made he. I thought him. He made a great point about like somebody who has access to that. Whoa! What did I do? Is that me? Did I do that? I don't know, but we can't hear you anymore. You're there. Oh, wait, no, yeah. The fee- there we go. How about now? I can hear you now. Can I finish my story there? You certainly can. Yeah, no problem. Second-rate operation. Are we running here? Oh, uh, you don't even want I don't. No, don't get started. Me, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I understood. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, Mike had made the point of somebody with access to that, that post-game media room needs to ask him who's account- who is being held accountable for that, whether it's the player, the coach, someone on the coaching staff, the manager himself, but that I, I would I would totally agree with that. I would think that's you, that's a fair criticism. In a big game like that, yeah. I don't care that the guy doesn't understand you gotta hurry up. Somebody the coach they still have coaches. I don't yeah. care how big a star yeah. you are, they have a coach. Get your butt out to the bullpen and warm up before this game is gonna start. I think it's funny because I think in the wake of a 15-run loss, it kind of gets—it's kind of going to get pushed to the back burner. But let's say that's a seven-nothing final or seven to two or something. Um, and if you flip it around, if that had been David Price, God forbid, um, that would be a story for days. I mean, that would oh, yeah. be beyond the end of the series. And so I'm, I'm interested to see kind of if there's any fallout. It doesn't immediately this morning like there is, but there's got to be. No. You know why there's no fallout today? I'm going to tell you why there's no fallout. 
Because this Yankees organization, for some reason, instead of hiring a manager who would actually challenge these players and drive them to be better, what they did was, as, as as Cal Oaks told me on Twitter last night, he basically, he hired a babysitter. Yeah. Yeah, they need, they fair. need, you know what? And a lot of people are like, oh, that didn't work for the Red Sox. That didn't work for the Red Sox when you did, uh, that no, didn't work. No. Yeah, that didn't work for the Red Sox. Hey, I think we're on. Hooray. All right, we're good. All right. Hey, everybody. All right. All right. It's been a trying morning. It's been a morning. So anyways, this, so we... So he walks across the thing, like, and I can still stream everything out, too. That's nice, too. Everything's good. Everything's amazing. Even Travis Barrett's on. Everybody's here. Hey, welcome to Z. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 105 Sports. 105.5 FM, AM 1240. Thank you to technical engineer apprentice Bill David for getting us on the air this morning. Mother of God. Anyways, we're on now. Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com is on the phone with us. They're, they're getting ready to listen to me, like, lose it about the New York Yankees right now. And Aaron Boone. Yeah, I had a babysitter. I'm going to give you two points. I'm going to give you two swings in this series, okay? All right. All right. Game number two. Even though the, the Boston Red Sox did not win game two, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't win that. When David Price was down three to nothing, and you could tell he had nothing. He had some tingling fingers going on. Okay. Oh, yeah. A little yeah. cold. A little cold in the pinky. Must have been chilly. Stop cut grass. They were cut Look, grass. I'm having that issue right now. I've had it since last year, and I'm pretty sure that the the Wyndham Portland game actually killed me. It like physically started killing blood vessels. So I I totally feel for him on the, in that situation. I get it. But still, he sucked. But he got yanked after one and two thirds, right? Yes. Yes, uh, yes, sir. Right. Yes. So he gets he gets yanked. So he gets yanked. And the Red Sox kind of stay in the game for a little while, right? I mean, they, they, they do what they're supposed to do. That, that's, yep. that's all well, good, fine, happiness, rainbows, kittens, you know, all that. Team actually had lived to fight another day. So last night, same situation. You could tell, first off, by the way, Severino's tipping pitches. I'll go back to that in a minute. And the Red Sox are totally taking advantage of some loophole to take advantage of it. And I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you can tell in the first inning when he had 15 pitches and didn't draw one swing and a miss when he was throwing at a hundred miles an hour, <laughs> maybe something was amiss. Right. right. Maybe. maybe it was the fact that he showed up to, to start pitching eight minutes before the game, which by the way, the Yankees have categorically denied. Let me tell you something. The Red Sox, didn't do a lot of protecting of David Price last year in that situation with Eck or some of this Fortnite stuff earlier this year. They were kind of like, look, buddy, you're on your own. You made your bed with this. You go deal with them. Okay. The Yankees actually, I feel like, enabled this. And I see it with Severino. I've seen it with Sanchez. Sanchez took a monstrous step back this year. Everybody was like, oh, Joe Girardi's such a hard ass. Look, I didn't think Joe Girardi was a very good manager. I'm totally on record with that. I thought he was kind of peaked out. But my God, do I miss him as opposed to what we currently have in that dugout, which last night thought after three innings of nothingness down by the same score of three nothing 
at a pivotal point in the series, in the game that you're probably, if you lose it, you're probably losing the series, right? I, I think everybody agrees. Whoever wins game three is probably well, going to win the series. Home field goes back to Boston. Right. You totally throw that away because you decide to bring a starter out who has nothing. And then, not only do you let him get one runner on, no, 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 no. Not only do you let him get two runners on, oh, oh no, oh, no, Bob, he's going to get all three showcases. He waited for all three runners to get on. And then, then, to break glass in case of emergency, wouldn't you, with this magic bullpen... Wouldn't you get, say, I don't know, a reliever? <gasps> Somebody who has been in these situations all year because of your pee-poor bullpen management. I'm on FM now. I tried to slice that down just a little bit. And bring in Lance Lynn, who then proceeds to make the game not Three nothing any longer. No, 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 no. It's now ten to nothing, and everyone can shut their TV off and go to bed unless you're looking for things to talk about tomorrow for talking points, i.e., Andrew Benintendi or Brock Holt or etc. But at that point, the game, the series, the season, all over, and the only thing standing left now for the Yankees is CC Sabathia on the hill today. He's basically pitching for his Yankees career today. He's, he was lobbying for a new contract yesterday. Well, guess what, Cease? Okay. You are going to have to deal with Angel Hernandez behind the plate who can't get a call at first base. By the way, one for four last night on close calls at first base. Hey, 250. You know. How about this stat? Replay turnover. 47% was the league average this year on replay turnover, which, by the way, should open some freaking eyes. Yeah, he's at 60, isn't he? 75%. Oh. Yeah. That's 75%. That's what his Think is? about that. He bats oh 250. God. He bats 250. <coughs> he bats 250 as an umpire. Yeah, better be playing second base then. You know. I want that job. I want yeah. that job. Yeah. And he has the nerve to sue people because he's not moving up. Yeah, he's I, you know what I'm embarrassed for? I am embarrassed for the people that actually do work hard yeah. and the people that do actually try to excel at their jobs mm. and have this guy leading the way against perceived racial injustice. That's who I feel bad for in that situation. It, well, yeah. You know, the thing with Hernandez, too, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I think it's funny that people just now are... This is a guy who for years has been confrontational and, you know, chucked guys out of game. I mean, he's always been horrible. So I think it's... To me, it's sort of funny to see all these storylines come out last night. Of course, now that we have numbers and statistics to back up just how bad he is. But they, he's been horrible for years because he's been... The epitome of that um, that prickly pear type, you know, MLB umpire that they've tried to get rid of, who's confrontational and who baits guys into having arguments so he can toss you. Um, I mean, that to me has always been Hernandez. I think it, I, oh, I cringe anytime 
I think it's just as bad for the Red Sox tonight that he's behind the plate as it is for the Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees are playing for their season, but we know how this goes. Um, it doesn't take much to turn a series and force a fifth game where, you know, where, you know, doesn't matter. It's all hands on deck, and anybody can win. Anything can happen. So I, I, it's bad. It's a look for MLB. And if they have to go to a fifth game, it's going to rain in Boston Thursday. Great. So they'd be playing Friday and then turn around and start the game with Houston on Saturday. It's not not good for either team. Well, look, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I don't see either of these teams beating Houston. I mean, are we? Is any team more disappointing this postseason than Cleveland? Oh, I really? Mean, that was Didn't be the most entertaining series. Of Gone. I mean, it's been horrible. They just, they Peter, and there's talk that Terry Francona might lose his job. How about this? How about this? This is what I want. Okay. I'm gonna be. Hold on. Let me let me channel my inner Steve Martin and my annual Christmas wish. Okay. Let me. You know. Okay. I like this. Everybody remembers that little skip. Nice right? reference. Yeah. Nice okay. Reference. I th- hopefully everybody remembers that. There's people that don't, and they're like, "What's wrong with this guy?" But anyways, they're usually like that. If I had one wish for this <laughs> Christmas, for this Halloween, he's season, getting in early. This Halloween it's, season, it's that Aaron Boone would would be released from his contract and the Yankees would would sign a guy like maybe a freshly released Terry Francona from the Cleveland Indians. Oh, Holy no, smokes, that. that would that's be not a... funny, Maddie. That's not funny. No. Hey, that's please? Not funny. That would be our worst nightmare in oh, Boston. Please. I no. I don't ask for anything. I ask for so, so little. So little. And I've been given so, so little. You know, I asked for the Celtics to be good again. They're like, okay, no problem. We're going to break Gordon Hayward's leg. I, and by they, I talk about the sports gods that are out there. Okay? Yeah. yeah. You know, they break his leg six seconds into the season. Great. Thanks. Or I like, hey, maybe return to the playoffs for the 49ers. Yeah, we're going to injure your starting running back of the preseason and then torn ACL for the quarterback. Bye. So that's out. And then, okay, well, the Yankees are going to be good this year. They'll be better than they were last year. Nope, we're actually going to take a step backwards at manager, and then the two players that really need someone to stay on them the most, i.e. Luis Severino and Gary Sanchez, will also take said step back this year. So that's where we're currently at. So, yes, Terry Francona. My God, I would even advocate Buck Showalter for that job. Anybody. Rerun. Something. You can still have the analytics. But somebody who actually knows how to manage and strategize. Because right now, the difference between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees is not talent up and down the roster. Do I think Mookie Betts is the best player out of all of these two teams? Yes. Do I think Aaron Judge is far behind? No. Okay? That, that's just that's where I'm at. The rest of it, you can shake it all out. You can look at bullpens yeah. and starters yeah. and benches. Honestly... You know, where you're going to have an advantage in one spot, you have a disadvantage in the other spot. Okay? Yeah, I agree. The difference on this team this year has been the fact that Alex Cora has a clue and Aaron Boone does not. That is the difference. It's why they lost games and they were... I mean, to me... One of the particular reasons that the that the this team lost games is because Aaron Boone was outmanaged. This is the first time Aaron Boone's been outmanaged this year. And people that have watched the Yankees this year know that. He was outmanaged by Kevin Cash in just about every game. Yeah. Yes. I mean there was a there well, was a that puts him in a uh, that puts him in a rather large group. The, the, uh, yeah. To be fair. Yeah. I mean it's true. Kevin Cash yeah. outmanaged him. Buck Showalter outmanaged him this year. When you get outmanaged by Buck Showalter, 
when the team that you are facing is so drastically better than the other one, to me is concerning. Hugely, well, you know, I, hugely like, concerning. Remember, like, of course you remember, um, the whole, the, the, when the Gary Sanchez thing all came to a head on the, uh, on the poor, you know. In Tampa, of course. And didn't Boone, didn't Boone called out the third, like the rookie third baseman, Andujar or something, like, well, he's got to do a better job. On, what are you talking yeah. about? Uh-huh. Like, like, how do you let that guy off the hook? And you blame the kid that's trying to, you know, granted, you know, it's a major leaguer and he's a third baseman and he's, you know, it's the middle of the year. It's not like he only been up for three days. But still, like, that, you, you publicly criticize that kid to take the heat off somebody who's just willing not to do his job. Like, come on. That, to me, that was when, the, like, to me, the radar went up. Like, hmm, this is not a guy who's managing his clubhouse entirely. He's, he's trying to keep a couple of people happy. He's a babysitter, like you said. I mean, that's. That was well, a huge red flag for me. Well, when he said, remember Sanchez said the two plays, one he didn't hustle and the ball yeah. in the dirt and the run scored, and he said, Boone said twice, well, I, I didn't see the play. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, right. what the hell are you looking at? I'll what? tell you what he's looking at. He's looking at Larry Rothschild for yes, guidance. Every one time. of my good friends te- texted me last night and said, every time we turn around, there he is, looking it's at Larry true. Rothschild. It's how about How about true. Larry Rothschild manages the team? How about that? How about we just let Larry do it? And then Aaron Boone can chew gum. I think that's the way to do it. I think you just let Aaron Boone chew gum. Is Aaron Boone what happens when, in today's world, in today's media-driven world, where you see a guy on TV and you like his opinion, so you give him the job? I mean, isn't is that the epitome of how this all... You know, I out? really want to get... I was thinking about that this morning, actually. This is going to sound really weird, but I was totally thinking about that in the shower this morning when I was like, you know, your morning thoughts that run through the day? I'm like, is it just easy enough to blame the fact that a guy went from the broadcast booth into the uh, I- into the into the rotation of the the biggest rivalry in Major League Baseball, like is it easy to blame that? But no, I look at like <clears throat> Steve Kerr, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Worked yeah, out. Yeah. Danny yep. Ainge worked out, right? Yeah. Um, Pat Riley. Pat, you know, there are guys that, and guys that were good that came in that went to the and then came back. Like it, it, Bill Parcells was in TV for a while. And then he, you know, I mean, like everybody's done that. You know, they've all yeah, left okay. transition. They okay. In this situation, if you have no experience as even a bench coach, and, yeah. and Cora just being along for the ride last year against Houston. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That to me is the only way. And we'll talk about that. Actually, we'll talk about that in a second. To me, that's the difference. Cora was not outmanaged by John Gibbons. I, I saw John Gibbons. John Gibbons couldn't outmanage uh, no. uh, 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 Butch right Hobson. Okay? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no... Yeah, I, I saw him outmanaged by him, Buck Showalter, Kevin Cash. I mean, when you lose three one-run games, that is the fault of the manager. Period. And the difference this year was eight games. Alex Cora was eight games better than Aaron Boone. Because the rest of it all comes out in the wash. All of it. Yeah. And right sure. now, it's two to one, so it's not just eight games better, right? Sure. So, sure. that's where we're at. That's the I, difference. If the Yankees has, can admit their mistake, they can fix it, and they can fix it quickly. Because it doesn't cost them any extra money in the luxury tax to go out and find a competent manager. That does nothing. Sure. Okay? Right. But if, if they're going to continue to just roll him out there le- ne- next year... With this team, but he won a hundred games. He won a hundred games against watered down competition. Yeah, and I, I maintain, 
as much as I love the Red Sox, I could make a pretty substantial case, other than Sale, that the Yankees are actually quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. They're quite a bit better position by position than the Red Sox are. If you did something like put Sanchez at DH and play Stanton in the outfield and then catch Romine, I don't know. What, what positions other than Mookie Betts? Let's even say he and Judge are even. I, I, I make the case the Yankees are better position by position. They got yeah, a much think, better bullpen. The starting staff. I think, I think if you had to watch Tanaka and Severino and Sabathia as much as we watch the Red Sox three or four starters, I think you probably have the same. We'd probably all be left with the same opinions. Like, oh, that was junk. Oh my God, this, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, about, I, I think I agree. I think they're the same. I think they're the same. I really do. Probably right. How about your boy? Hey, do you, do you have any time? Are you doing anything right now? No, I'm just sitting here, my legs up, drinking coffee. Can you can yeah, you can you take a commercial break and then come back and talk to us a little more around the other side? Because I really, as much as I hate Aaron Boone and and the Yankees, and I really just I want to spend the rest of my time tearing them up. I really want to talk about your New York Giants. Okay. Because <laughs> yes, I really. Oh God, yes. Because right that. now, I I just I I would like to get your thoughts on on your boy OBJ. I just want to okay. I want to touch base okay. on that. And and right. I'm sure there's other things we can discuss as well. So sure. And then, well, do you know where you're going Friday night yet? Friday night, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Where are you going? Uh, uh, going to Alphonse Arena for uh, the main uh, hockey opener. You're going for the main. All right. You know what? I actually do want to talk main hockey with nice. you too. So that's nice. another good reminder. Okay. So sure. hang on. Go right. go refill your coffee. Top it up. We'll be back. Right. Travis Barrett. More on the way. Felix Daly. Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios on the new 105 Sports across the NBA Radio Network. W288CW1055 FM Auburn. WEZRAM1240 Lewiston. WTME AM780 Rumford. This is 105 Sports. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Well, now there's a new team to add to the list the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners. An all star team of orthopedic care right here in your backyard. Four of the area's top orthopedic practices, OA Centers for Orthopedics. Central Maine Orthopedics, Falmouth Orthopedic Center, and Maine Ortho have joined forces to become a dream team of orthopedic care, where physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff share resources and work as one to make patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com ortho. That's spectrumhcp.com slash ortho. Last night, Maine Ice Hockey kind of started the exhibition season, everything uh, with an exhibition game against Prince Edward Island. How, how do we, this is, uh, how do we, how are they, like, as opposed to, like, the other Canadian colleges? Are they, like, ranked or anything, or is this just, nah, like, a thing? They're all the same. I, it's funny. I, <laughs> it, took, it took me back to, uh, it took me back to my, it, like, we were 10 minutes into the first period, and it took me back, you know, um, 15 years or more back to when I was covering Providence College. And they would play the Canadian teams in exhibitions every year to kick off the season. And everything about those games is remarkably consistent. Um, the, the play is sloppy. It's penalty-filled. It's, when the score gets lopsided, it gets ugly fast. Um, there's no flow. It's, all, it's almost all special teams. Uh, just, it's... I, honestly, it's interesting to, 
see. I understand the thinking of why you play these games because it's an exhibition game and you need one. And it's and, and teams like having that versus just going into the season a little bit blind. But um, man, at some point you just you get to you get into those games. You get late in the you get in the third period when the game is decided. And, you're just praying for no injuries because the Canadian schools, you know, these guys, I don't know how much people know about it, but they're all a little bit older. These are guys who traditionally, uh, to throw a blanket over the whole thing, they're, they're guys whose junior career petered out. You know, they never got anywhere. They had designs on hockey careers. So you go to school a little bit later. Once your hockey's done, then you go to school. And while they have hockey teams you can play for, so it's, it's not intramural. You know, it's a little more organized than that, but it's it's not much more organized than that. And so the games get ugly because those guys don't have anything to play for. They don't care. They're not worried about throwing gloves and taking punches and cheap shots at guys. They just it's it's a totally different atmosphere. So I find it interesting, but I always I always do cringe a little bit when you get to the third period. Like you just don't want to see anybody get hurt. You don't want to see anybody get in a fight and get ejected, and then they end up missing a season opener. You know, on the American side. So. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting mix for sure. Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. So who does Maine play Friday? Uh, St. Lawrence. Ooh. Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So it'll be a good test for them. It'll be yeah. a good test for them. What do you think? Oh. What do you think for them? Do we? Th- I know we're not. We're never reaching the Sean Walsh highlights again, mm-hmm. like era again. We're probably that's probably not going to happen. I don't think the I don't think the current rules in college hockey allow anybody to be that good for that long. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look at BU and, and BC the last couple of years. They haven't, sure. uh, they haven't really been bathing themselves in glory. However, right. um, I I could do without the long, super long gaps between Frozen yeah, Four appearances sure. and things of that nature. Sure. sure. Is it a possibility? Could we pipe dream about it, or is this is this still ways away off for this well, team, even know. if I mean, possible? Frozen Four might be a, a little way off. I mean, I don't know if that. Um, you know, and again, we're in October, so it's really hard to say. Frozen Four, you need a lot of things to go right. But I think they're closer than they've been, and I know that sounds um, – I, I hate being hometown rah-rah guy, but I, I, they're much closer than they've been. I'll tell you why. Because last year, I think we talked about it last week, they made a huge jump from 11th to, to 5th um, last year. And then I think one of, the, one of the things that is really noticeable about this team is there's not, there has not been a lot of turnover. Um, their last two classes were huge. Huge, you know, 10, 11 kids. This is a four-person freshman class that's come in, and three of them played last night and uh, and looked really good. Um, certainly, um, you know, they've got a defenseman and they've got you know a second-line winger that are outstanding players that are going to play this year right now and be be very good. Um, so, but I think that kind of cohesion helps, right? So I think they're not looking at wow, you know, we we came off a. Of, a giant step forward, but we lost 10 guys that we can't replace. I think they've got – it's a very similar team to last year. And last year's team was a little bit young. You know, Fossier was only a – he was only a sophomore. Pearson was only a sophomore. Um, you know, Keeper and, and Binner, they were, they, were, they were both freshmen playing defense together. So now everybody's a year older. They've been through it. They've been through Hockey East. They've been through the systems. They know the coaching staff. And I think this year, um, you know, things go right. They, they could be very good, and by very good, I mean hockey semifinals maybe. Get there and see what happens. Um, I, don't think that's a, I don't think that's a pipe dream. And I think if you can go deep in that tournament and you know, play in the Hockey East Championship game, who knows what happens. Now, it's a tough start for Maine because after, after St. Lawrence this weekend, they head right out to play the national champions at Minnesota Duluth. So it's, 
it's, and then they're on the road for a couple of weeks. So it's a tough start. It's a tough start, but they're going to find out a lot about themselves in the next three weeks before they start hockey play against Connecticut at the end of the month. And they have Swayman, right, back? They do. Sure yeah. they do. And, uh, oh, that's a big... Know, I think that's huge. You know, he's on the Mike Richter watch list, which is the that's the uh, preseason list of 20 goalies, and the Mike Richter award is given out every year to the top division yeah. goalie in the country. He's on that list. Uh, Boston Bruins development camp this summer. They just raved about him. They talked. There's there's talk out there about how goaltending hasn't quite panned out for them. Um, whether it was Subban who you know was on waivers or McIntyre or any of these guys in the system that just haven't taken that next step, and they look at Swayman as this big six foot two kid from Alaska who kind of was under everybody's radar, could be really good in a couple of years. So I think, it, yeah, I mean, I think you know last year Swayman won 15 games. He was the first you know Black Bear freshman since Ben Bishop in '06 to win that many games. So. Swayman's the real deal, and, and like I said, I think I mentioned it last week. I mean, they've got uh, you know four or five defensemen that are back, um, even with Patrick Holway leaving for academic reasons. Um, they're still pretty deep on the blue line in front of him, and I think any any team, and certainly red team, um, they're going to start from the back out, and I, I think they're very good there. So um, if they can get some, you know, they had a bunch of double digit goal scores last year. If they can kind of Build on that scoring balance a little bit. I think they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna surprise people, but I think they're gonna be. They're gonna be in the mix. They're gonna be very competitive. But they, last year they played eighteen one goal games, and I think one of the things that really hurt them was special teams last year. Uh, their power play was average, mid pack in the country, just below twenty percent. Their penalty kill was fifty third out of sixty in the country. They were they were given their their penalty kill percentage was only a hair above seventy four percent. So. If you want to turn one goal games into wins, you got to do it on special teams at the college level. So it's got to be power play. It's got to be penalty kill. And they got to be better there. they got to fix the PK this year for sure. I saw Swayman uh, play at Aganis Arena against BU just after he'd been in a national tournament uh, for yep. juniors. And, oh, my God, yeah. he was unbelievable. Yeah, he had a run of 30 Thirty plus save games last year. I, I think it was at least it was a half dozen in a row or something. In the second half of the year, where he yes. had to make thirty or more saves, and he can yeah. do it. But I do think, you know, when you when you talk about goalies, especially elite goalies like that, you say, well, how can he be any better? I mean, he was he was really good. But I think you know it's that old hockey adage, right? Like your your goalie has to be your best penalty killer. So I think that's probably where you want to see him take the next step. Is it really make some of those game stealing? Game-stealing saves, game-preserving saves, when you're shorthanded, third period, on the road, hostile environment. There's some really good teams in the hockey East, right? Yeah, BC and BU aren't as good as they used to be. They're still pretty darn good. Providence is, is exceptionally good. So you got to go into these places, and you got to find a way to win road games. And I think, I, I don't know, maybe that's oversimplifying. I just I feel like special teams is a huge part of that. Sure. Talking with Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. Did you get to watch any of the Bruins yesterday? You know? I watched some of that. Yeah, I have a, you know it's funny. Like I, I you know, I'm a, I am a hockey guy at heart, and I do, um, I do try to watch. I just sometimes I get a little bogged down in early season hockey. It's just, it, it you know, keep tabs on it, but I, it's not a point of viewing for me necessarily. I did watch some of it, but um, first couple periods or whatever. I, I think it's hilarious that uh, everybody worries about Patrice Bergeron every year. You know, um, whether he had a training camp or not comes out and he's just phenomenal. I mean, he's got, what, four goals in the first three games? He doesn't even have a preseason. He's pretty good. 
A 37 is pretty good. I think he's completely – he's underrated in terms of Boston, quote-unquote, superstar. I mean, he's one of the best players in the NHL, period. Um, and in Boston, he's kind of like this cute, homegrown story. Like, yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> he's better than good. I think he'll be all right. I, I watch quite a bit of it. I, You know, they're going to struggle with the same thing they have the last couple of years. That that top line is better than anybody's. Yeah. And then drop your voice. There's, yeah. They have trouble coming up with the rest of the mix, and I thought the defense was a little better over these first these last two games, anyway. Yeah, sure. And uh, Halak is a is an upgrade over Udobin, even though I liked uh, Anton. Yeah, I think Halak yeah. is a pretty much an upgrade. I think they're going to be good there because I think I said to somebody on the golf course last week that this, this idea, you know, Tuka Rath, man, it just keeps becoming such a lightning rod. It, it makes me laugh. It's almost as though people have. You know, supplanted the Boston Bruins name with Tuka Rath. Tuka Rath can't win this series. Tuka Rath can't win on the road. Tuka Rath can't do this. Um, I, I don't know why we need a goaltending controversy. If if Slack and Rath split the game 41 apiece for the entire year, and then you go into the playoffs and decide who your best goalie is, I, I'm all for that. Yeah. Who cares, right? Who cares? I'm in. Um, I, why are we clinging to this idea that your goalie has to play 75 games and has to have a you know a 1.8 goals against average? It, just, it, it, it makes me laugh. It, I think defensively they're still not very good. I think that's the biggest problem. I think they. I said it before. Um, you know, I, I feel like during the preseason everybody talks, well, they've got eight guys here and they're gonna like they don't have anybody any good. They've got Chara and Chara is still extremely good. He's still an elite level defenseman, but after that. McAvoy's a couple years away from being that guy. I mean, he's, look, I have no doubt that kid's going to be something special. But he's not there yet. So we're talking about right now. And so we've got Moore and Carlo. we got all these guys. They're all kind of the same. They're just – nobody's there. You know, when the Bruins won the Cup, and God, now, now we're going on. It's been, it's been a bunch of years, right? Um, Seven years. You, you had Seidenberg, and you had guys who were, like, really emerged as a Second line, you know, second pairing guy that just—if your first group was off, they were just as good. They could be just as dominant, and that's what they don't have right now. That's what they, that's what they're missing defensively. Talking with Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. <laughs> See, he's <laughs> all right. So, what what about your boy Odell? Like, why is everybody mad that Odell spoke the truth? I guess is what I'm confused about. Wow. Well. Yay, yay, yay. Because this, this guy, this is what I love. It took him all of three weeks to completely change his tune about how happy he was. You know, that drives me insane. And when you ask him if it's Eli's fault, he just shrugs and gives you that. I don't know. That, to me, that, that's crazy. Uh, somebody, somebody texted me yesterday and said, how about this? I'll trade you David Price for OBJ straight up. And I said, let's do it right now because then we can cut Price. The NFL, you just cut him. doesn't matter. Um... And, and then we're clear of it. I just, it's the, it's the sideshow dramatics on a team that's what? Now one in four, is my math right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing. It, it's, it's, he has these comments where he, he puts everybody on full blast, and then he comes out and does nothing in a, you know, in the first half or first quarter. I mean, his numbers ended up being pretty good. The sad thing is, the Giants is they finally scored 30 points for the first time in like 112 years, and they still lose. You know, it's just, I'm glad it's over now. But it's not even over because the division's so bad. Like, it's like, oh. I don't know. I'm not a fan of, I, I feel like you got to keep stuff in-house. Like, if you got issues, go talk to guys. Don't, don't give me this yeah. whole, I'm going on some TV show and I'm going to, 
put everybody on blast. Just, ugh, it doesn't work. Do, it never works. Does that ever end well? Do you think OBJ is like the Giants version of, uh, in re-signing him to this contract, is the is the Giants version of the Yankees re-signing A-Rod and really setting back the franchise about 10 years? Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's early to say, but I just, I mean, what's he, look, aside from some highlight real catches, what has Beckham done that has turned things around? That has had a, had a meaningful impact on the direction that franchise is going. Now I understand football is an animal unto itself, right? Because you have you have an offense and you have a defense and you have specialties. And there's a lot of phases to that game. And even within the offense, you've got to run and you've got to pass and you've got to block and you've got to do all these things. But I just, what has he done that's elevated them beyond? Look at this cool catch, and now he's in commercials. Like I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. There's something about it that just does not work for me. And I, I remember last year, as horrible as it is to say, when he got hurt and went down, I thought maybe now they'll find some momentum because they're not worried about keeping 13 happy. They're not worried about, I better be targeted 20 times a game or else I'm going to sulk and I'm going to, you know, slam my head into a wall because I'm so frustrated because I'm a competitor. You know, like, no, no, you're a baby. You're a whiny, prima donna baby who thinks it's all about you. And how, again, how often does that work in football? When was the last time somebody went back and said, man, I'm glad that guy put us on blast in week four publicly and aired all of our dirty laundry? Because we won a Super Bowl because of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess never. I'm going to guess that's never happened. Well, you know, everybody complains about Belichick, but you never hear that. And he's willing to cut a guy like that or trade a guy like that who's a, a, a problem. And everybody calls him cold-blooded and whatever, but guess what? Check out his 18 years. Yeah. Pretty yeah. damn good. Yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, we, we made a joke with the Yankees in the last segment about babysitting, right? Well, if you're, if you're an NFL head coach and you're just there to babysit, that's not, I, I, spoiler alert, it's not going to end well for you. But if you're there to run a franchise and get things moving in the right direction and win games, um, you know, sometimes you got to make hard decisions that aren't always popular. I, uh, I had a great interview this morning uh, for our Football Friday. I, I interviewed Mike Cathaway from Levitt, and yeah. they lost for the first time. And uh, he had some side complaints, but what he said, in essence, two things that, that just struck me, wow. One was we didn't coach well enough. How often do you hear a guy say that? Yeah, right. The answer right, would be right. never. Belichick yeah. says it. We got to coach better. We got to play better. Whatever. And then you know what else he said? We dropped passes. We turned the ball over. We fumbled. We'll have cones set up this week, a hundred more than a hundred yards away from where the drill is. And if you drop the ball, you'll run into the cone and back. <laughs> every time you drop the ball, every time you drop a pass. In other words, old school. To be yeah. honest with you. But he says, they'll focus on catching the ball and holding on to it. I can guarantee you. That's yeah, exactly like what you're talking about with the Yankees. Who's holding? I mean, Sanchez can't catch the ball. Yeah. He's not wrong. willing to use any technique. He's. I mean, I, when was the last time he saw him turn his hands over and use his yeah. legs to get in front of the ball and block it? No. Yeah. He does well, this. Game, especially in game two, it went, you know, the Red Sox – they were looking for any kind of spark to get back into that game, and how many times is he just like trying to olay the backhand? Oh yeah, you know, breaking balls in the dirt. Like yeah, real, still in the playoffs, you're still doing this. You know, but, yeah. and if you want to, if you want to look at Cora and the job he's done, 
Um, you know, you see Erod not hustle on a ball, and it ends up turning into a three-run home run that inning because he doesn't get the guy out at first, which is on him. And so I, I fully believe last night was like, you get to go pitch the ninth in the drizzle in the rain because – we're gonna, you're going to learn to do things the right way. And I think Erod, I think that was a punishment inning for him. I do, night. too. It was great. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm Matt, wake up. Come on. But remember, no. we had, remember, though. <laughs> I'm still so mad. Maddie, you like... got to remember, though, Maddie, we had the list of 32 candidates when they picked Boone, and I'm not sure that list was anything great, to be honest with you. You uh-huh. liked a couple guys on there. Yeah. I... Yeah, it was pretty kind of my, kind of a myth to me. You've got noted Red Sox killer CC Sabathia on the mound tonight. I know, noted Red Sox killer. Uh, for some reason, that guy can get the Red Sox yeah. every time. It's, yeah, it's so are you get, you guys are pumping me up here? All right, I like I, you know what here here here's what I'm gonna say about tonight. Okay, CC Sabathia is pitching for his career. He's pitching for the Yankees season, and frankly, I think he's he should be pitching for Aaron Boone's job, but I know he's not. Okay, that's where I'm at with tonight. Yep. That's that's where it's at. For I think me. you're probably right. Except Boone will be back. I know. That's People what, hate to admit that they made a mistake. And he is a mistake. And my concern is they're going to get halfway through April next year with the same crap. The other the guy they miss, I think the guy they miss more than Joe Girardi, is the is the bench coach Rob Thompson. Rob Thompson was like a drill sergeant. He kept everybody in line. Somebody's got to be the guy. Gary there. Sanchez was FaceTiming A-Rod the other night asking what time the game started, okay? And Severino showed up late. These are true stories. I'm not exaggerating this stuff. Like, this is real hey, stuff Hey, we happening. saw it. TBS you was showing. It, period. He's not in the dugout. He's not in the bullpen. Where he's, is he? He's running out to the bullpen at 7.30 or 7.32 to get warmed up. For a 7.40 game. What? Yeah. Give me a break. Plus, they have to announce the lineups and the whole thing. All beat. of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. He was doing the TB12 method in the clubhouse. He was working on his pliability. <laughs> he was plenty loose. He was ready to go. He was ready to go. It works for Brady. Um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, after game two, it's the same, it's the same thing. After game two, the Reds, you know, same thing. Up in arms, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Um, but then by, by Sunday, I, you know, I thought to myself, Look, I thought it was going to be a long series. I thought it was going to be hard to win games. These two teams have been evenly matched forever. Like, why are we surprised that we dropped, we dropped the game? And you come out, and you kind of hope the offense will get going, and it did. And I think the flip side is the same thing. Like, yes, it's a short series, so you have no wiggle room. I get that. But you really, at the end of the day, you got to go out and win one game at home tonight behind a guy, if you're the Yankees, behind a guy who has handled the Red Sox over the last few seasons. And you want to get to a fifth game where anything can happen. It's not over. It's, this, this is, but this is why I love this stuff, right? This is why we love playoff baseball, because we feel like every game, every inning is, it's over. And you just, look, come out tonight, Porcello doesn't have it, score three runs in the first inning, and, and suddenly this whole series is all the pressures on the Red Sox. The 108 wins. Maddie's starting to come alive. Yeah, pumping him up. Yeah, I, I, can I tell you what? Here's my prediction for tonight. Rick Porcello looks like 2004 ALCS Derek Lowe. Yankees hit about 15 ground ball double plays tonight, okay? And you guys, it, to me, it would be a fitting ending for this year for Brian Cashman to have to watch the Red Sox celebrate at Yankee Stadium once again. I think it would be a fitting end, and hopefully it leaves a bad enough taste in his mouth to say, look, 
we need a brand new search committee and we need to figure out who is going to push the buttons on this team next year because next year the Red Sox are vulnerable, hmm? majorly vulnerable. Because there's nothing, they there's got a nothing, ton of contracts there's up. a ton of contracts up, there's a ton of everything up. So next year's the year. And if you don't do it next year and you get out of the gate slow next year, forget it. You just wasted this opportunity and all this great rebuilding that you did in 2016. As Aaron Boone said, you just got to flush it because it's yeah. done. That's what he said last night. Just flush it and move yeah. on. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. What, what else can you say about you? I mean, now, yeah. from the Red Sox side of it, Porcello has a history of pitching really well in big games. It's well against the Yankees. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, I like the way the Red Sox are at. Don't get me wrong. Because even if you lose tonight, you come back with Sale, who I feel like I feel like the, I'm starting to really come around and believe that this whole thing over the last couple of months with him was a giant smoke screen in that I, I feel like in, in game five you're getting the, uh, ha-ha, no way, Chris Sale. Like you're getting, you're not getting anything off of me tonight. And if I got to pitch 12 innings to get this game a win for us, I'm going to do it. And so, look, I like where the Red Sox are at. You got it, right? This, what is it, 67% of the time or 70% of the time the team that wins game three Mm-hmm. The series. I mean, you got to feel confident with where the Red Sox are at, but it's not over. And I think, okay, I'm, I'll admit in, in my neurotic brain that last night when when they kept, when they were piling on at the end, I thought to myself, "Man, this is like the perfect mirror to 2004, where the Red Sox got run off the field in Game Three. Yes, but it was just the little. It was just the kick they needed. It's like, all right." We'll show you what we're made of. We're, we're not going down without a fight. So part of me worries that all you got to do is walk into that Yankee clubhouse today and there's a big sign that says 16 to 1. You go, all right, all right, I feel where you're at. And then and suddenly they turn around and they find all the momentum. So, so I am a little worried because I've, I've seen it in reverse. So but I wouldn't be a good Red Sox fan if I wasn't worried, you know, even after last night. All right. So just to, just to summarize, Yankee season's over. Everybody's yeah. losing to Houston. Except, yeah, except Alex Cora could be the X factor in that. Okay, we'll discuss well, that. Well, listen, the fact that he, look what he did last night. He started Evaldi. Yeah. I mean, we've all said, which Evaldi's going to show up? Yeah. Well, guess what? It was perfect. The one who's I only allowed one earned run against the Yankees. Yeah, that it one. was absolutely perfect. I do believe a couple of weeks ago you asked me who the biggest hero for the Red Sox was going to be that nobody saw coming, and I did say it's going to be Dave Evaldi. <laughs> you I did. did. Say that. All right, my uh, friend. I like where we're at. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for hanging out for bonus time today. Oh, you bet. You bet. Take care. Anytime we can talk about the Giants, you know I'm in. I know. Yeah. I know. All right. Yeah. See you next week. All right, guys. Thanks. That's Travis Barrett from centralmaine.com. We'll take a break. We'll have Cal Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky right around the bend. It's the B-List Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBA.